This is HPR episode 1874 entitled Interview with Groups. It is hosted by Ken Fallen and is about 54 minutes long. The summary is To mark the 10 year anniversary of HPR, we talk to Groups, one of the founders of Today with a Techie. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Or is it? Or is it another episode of Today with a Techie, which started this weekend, coming weekend, 10 years ago, folks. 10 years ago. And therefore, I have on the line, live from the US of A, one of the men who started it all, Mr. Droops. How are you doing, Droops? Hey, Ken, how are you doing? I'm excited to be here. I'm not doing too bad at all, not doing too bad at all. So for those of you who don't know who Droops is, can you give us the rundown, please? Um, Well, that's kind of put me on the spot. I'm (laughs) I'm some guy who a long time ago in college um, was really into internet radio. And so we created this really cool thing that didn't work. And so we created this other cool thing that didn't work. And then we created this other thing that was really lame. And eventually we got to the point where we created something that was actually really cool. And it was so cool that other people took it over and have done a much better job than we ever did with it and have created this whole hacker public radio thing. And it's very awesome. Okay. So 10 years ago, you started today with a techie. Now, before that, there was when I started um, way back when I started listening to tech shows. I did a search for podcasting, no idea what it was, and I listened to, uh, I don't know, the, the something and something show, I think that was required for everybody at the time to listen to. And then I searched for some Linux podcasts and came across uh, the Linux Tech Show, which is still going. And they were recommending two other shows that were going at the same at that time. One was Infonomicon Radio and the other was Binrev Radio. So you were behind Infonomicon Radio. So how did that how did that kind of go? Okay, so I've taken a bunch of notes as uh, I like to write things down, and this is all from memory. Like I don't have records of the sort of thing. So if I if I don't get something correct, please forgive me. Um, and like I was just living in the moment, so it's just how I remember it. Um, there was a fella named Dual Parallel who had a show called Radio Freak America. And this was before there was a thing called podcasting. And it was just internet radio, like, go, you download it, you burn it onto a CD, and you ride around in your car and listen to it, like, on the way to school or the way to work. And no one had really nice MP3 players that could hold this much data. And I eventually got a PDA, and I used to go to a friend's house where he had wireless internet, and I would download shows to my PDA and listen to them on my headphones as I drove around. And 
we were doing that sort of thing before podcasting came out. Like, Infonomicon Radio started without an RSS feed. We had to go back and create one when we realized how awesome that distribution method was. But anyway, we were riding around listening to Radio Freak America, which was a show by Dual Parallel. And it was just, it was the most different thing. I've never heard anything like that for my life. And it was essentially just conversations people were having about technology and about the hacker culture. And that was just awesome. And like these people didn't know who I was, but they became my friends because I was essentially just listening to their conversations. And that just is, that stuck with me my whole life. And eventually I got to the point where thinking, you know, these guys are just talking on the phone to each other and recording it. Heck, I'm having these conversations with my friends. We should start recording it ourselves. And that's, that's a big step. Like it's scary to go from I'm just some guy who's consuming to I'm some guy who's creating or I'm some guy that people are going to listen to and they're going to think, man, this guy is just full of himself. He has no idea what he's talking about, which, you know, that happens sometimes. Sometimes you think you know it all and you don't. Sometimes you do and you're smart. Um, So we decided, or I decided I would start recording something and I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And the guy, Dual Parallel, involved Radio Freak America, was involved with a club called the Digital Dog Pound. And one of their major contributions was this thing called BenRev, which was an idea. It was a show. It was a forum. They had a TV show for a little while. And just an awesome place for hackers to learn. And so they started this radio show called BenRev Radio. And it kind of took over when Radio Freak went away. And it was awesome. It was just it was very good. It was hosted by a friend of mine named Stank Dog. We all have very interesting names. And uh, I was like, well, if Stank Dog can do it, I can do this. And I started this little show called Droops Radio, which was horrible. And I made a friend who listened to this thing because there was such few podcasts, or not, they weren't even podcasts, but internet radio shows about this content. When something new came out, you, you listened to it because there wasn't a lot of content. Like you'd wait a week for a Ben Rev radio episode to come out. You're all excited when it, when it came out because there was nothing filling that gap in between. And we, we started the show called Infonomicon, which was kind of cool. It was kind of lame. And it just, it kind of drug on and we should have ended it long before it ended. And uh, sorry, I keep saying and. I'm watching, I've never used Mumble before and I'm watching the little meter and it's very neat. But anyway, um, Infonomicon should have died. And when it finally kind of folded. It was an idea that had been proposed by Dual Parallel from Radio Freak America, and he said there ought to be this thing called Hacker Public Radio. Public radio for hackers. Technology and news, it should come out every day, and it should, you know, it should be like NPR. There should be shows on it. There should be, you know, he was envisioning like this network, and I'd always kind of wanted that. And when he quit doing Radio Freak America, he had promised he was doing that. And I was, I've been waiting years and some friends and I were talking about, well, we should start something like that. And we should try to do this. And we kind of figured we'd have, you know, 10 episodes and we'd do half of them. But we would have attempted this idea. And so we, we were trying to come up with a name for our, our little show that was going to be a network of, of shows. And uh, we came up with Today with the Techie, which was a reverse acronym. We actually just came up with a profane word to make fun of Theo Laporte, who had a show called Twit. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why that was that was entertaining at the time, but, you know, 10 years ago when I was in college, that was hilarious. And so 
we, we came up with the show and Doss Man and I were recording our conversations and it was surprising when someone was like, hey, this is actually kind of cool. I'm going to send one in. And we were like, oh, all right, we've, we've got one. So we had recorded a few shows to get it started. We gave ourselves a couple days and there was such a small community people that were into this, it was really easy to get in touch with people who were doing shows or get in touch with people who wanted to do shows. Now, somewhere along this time, there was a website called Hacker Media, which has not been updated in a long time, and I, that's my fault. I'll take full blame. But uh, Hacker Media listed all these shows, and it was a really cool thing. A guy named Kizzle started it, and he passed it on to me as he got out of the scene. And so we uh, kind of knew a lot of people in this thing. We had a website we called podcast fertilizer which gave free hosting and set up the rss feeds for people all they had to do was record a show give it a name but host them for their first 10 episodes or more if they needed it and we had you know i think we had like two shows make it all the way through 10 episodes it's it's hard to sit down and say i'm going to record a show and be responsible for doing this thing week after week after week and there's the whole people feel that they have to have something produced by a certain amount of time which really hurt a lot of shows. Like I did an episode of Ben Rev Radio one time where they needed someone to host it and who were going to host it couldn't. And I just had to fill an hour's worth of time with no preparation. And like that was the worst episode of that show. But you're under this impression that you have to have media produced by a certain time. And, you know, professional news organizations have a lot of people and they have a lot of, you know, people working on that problem. And when you have just a podcast, it's, it's hard to do that. So coming back to uh, Twatech Radio, Jips, yes, sir. I completely and totally dropped out there. Okay, Good. right. I've, I've just been talking. Yeah, from right the uh, right the beginning. So uh, <laughs> your call. What do you want to do? What what have we covered? Oh man, I've just been talking about history and uh, how awesome you are for running uh, Hacker Public Radio. I I, think, <laughs> I don't know what to do because uh, <laughs> you were you were recording. I wasn't. Well, look, I mean, we could just keep going. I have a recording I can give to you. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I've never had that happen before. I just completely dropped out. So, uh, in look, the... Let me finish my thought, and then I'll, I'll sure. tell you what question we're on. That sounds fair. Yeah, go on ahead. <laughs> okay. I just thought you were being very patient. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, one of the original ideas of uh, Twatech Radio was that we would get people to send in their like six month or three month or one month really cool thing. So as you're learning about technology and you're coming up with stuff, every once in a while you come to something you're like, this is, this is pretty awesome. And that this is pretty awesome idea. We're like, why don't you record that, submit a show. If we have enough people submitting their, this is really awesome, then the whole show will be awesome. And so we never set a limit on like quality or content, like, I, I'm assuming the rules would be the same. Like if someone just recorded a show and they thought it had something to do with Hacker Public Radio and they thought it was neat, I'm sure they would still publish it. Because, I mean, who am I to judge or who is Ken Fallon to judge what's really appropriate and good? I mean, if, if it's just a stream of profanity, that probably would be wasteful. Don't even but, listen to it, to be honest. We just check it in three places to see that the audio is okay and <laughs> I don't listen to it until they're published. It's a, it's a rule. That's awesome. And see, like that's a that's a true voice of the community, and that's very cool. So we were doing our our Twatech thing. Bitterf Radio was kind of fizzling out. A few other shows were kind of fizzling out, and we said, you know, we should really just call it Hacker Public Radio. The name is is sophomoric. It's immature. We should. And it's embarrassing to walk around with a big twat on your shirt. Um, 
Did again. you explain what that means? Because over here we don't don't actually know what that means. Oh, it's it's <laughs> slang for vagina. Like <laughs> again, I'm, I'm, I still apologize about that name. So we got in touch with Tool Parallel. We're like, hey, are you ever going to do this? And he's like, no. And we're like, can we steal your name? And he's like, it's, it's not really my name. It was just an idea in the community. So we're like, okay, let's, let's do this. And we registered HackerPublicRadio.org. And Windrev kind of folded into it. And Twatech kind of folded into it. And we started something. And we, we hoped it would work. And now with Twatech Radio, I didn't update it every day. It was, it's hard to get shows. The hardest part of the thing is, is finding actual shows people will submit and getting people to contribute and that's that's also the coolest thing of it because you meet all these awesome people and you know you learn to rely on people that you've never met and like i think it's awesome i actually wrote a paper in college about organizational behavior and how you could do this sort of thing and get people to work for free by contributing to the community that's kind of shady business school stuff but that's what it was um and so we had this cool name, we had this school show, we had all these people who had contributed. There was a guy named Enigma that used to run the show. He used to be the Ken Fallon of Twatech Radio. And then he went away and it was a guy named Patrio and he went away and like with Twatech Radio, like we thought it was the coolest thing. Like we had uh, our first international person, like it was a guy named Seal from Canada and he contributed the episode. We're like, oh, we're an international show. And like Hacker Public Radio is, I think you're out of the Netherlands. like. That's that's insane that there's this whole world that, that works on it, and that's very cool to me. Okay, so I've I've talked about starting Twatech, the intention, and I kind of told the history of RFA, Infonomicon, and BinRev. So that's where we are, Mr. Fallon. Cool. They, um, there was an interesting discussion this week from one of the um, old-timers, because I have always had the feeling with uh, HPR that and as i say i came into this whole thing way later i was listening to to you guys and then i went back and listened to the rfa stuff which by the way is as completely as up to date now as it was back then because they're still talking about technology that's in place it's fucking scary i'll tell you that for nothing those guys were way smarter than i ever have been and like their whole the whole philosophy of we're here we're in this we're not going to hoard all this information we're going to share with the community that is what the philosophy of HPR is, or at least, you know, we, we has been. So the, the discussion lately has been, um, we've had a look at the number of subscribers we've have, uh, which is about, um, you know, 16 and a half thousand a month. Wow. Yeah. But we only, wow. had, yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? We only had two and 260 hosts in the totality, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. That is awesome. But how is this, you know, um, as Dave Morris said, like we're we're in we're all in this boat together, and you know it's leaking water, and a few of us have to bail the water the whole time. If if everybody helped out, then you know we'd have shows for the next eighty five years. So the, one of the most frustrating, one of the most fulfilling things is doing this is doing this, but one of the most frustrating things is trying to get people to submit shows. So what is it that's stopping people from submitting shows? And the original question was. I always had the assumption that there is an onus on people who listen to contribute back, but not everybody agrees with that. And I can't remember where it was that I came up with that idea, or was that ever agreed, or was that just uh, assumed on my part? Well, Jason Scott from textfiles.com told me one day that uh, 99 point something percent of the people consume 
and less than 1% of the people contribute. And I just did the math. That's where we're at right now with uh, HPR. And I think a lot of the reasons that people don't contribute is they see that it's hard or they say that maybe I don't have anything to talk about. That's like, I'm not afraid to, to talk on the voice or on the radio. I'm not afraid to sound like an idiot. But like I'm going through my life, and I'm like, well, I just don't really have anything to talk about. You know, no one's going to be interested in in this. And like, that's a bunch of bull. Like the things that, you know, we come up and we think is cool, exactly. other people think it's cool. Exactly. And I think um, uh, Nightwise has, has done an episode on all the reasons, you know, listing them all, you know, that why people won't do shows. But would you would you agree that people who submit shows, uh, people who listen should contribute? Or would you say, no, we release it on Creative Commons license and yeah, whoever whoever wants to can. I think everyone should do it. Like one of the really nice things I, I didn't start in Phenomicon Radio to do, but something that really it happened is that I got smarter about things because I didn't want to sound like too much of an idiot. And so I would spend some time actually researching and learning and coming up with things. And that kind of motivated me to, to learn. And like I would, I enjoy listening to HBR now. I don't listen to every episode, as I imagine most people, you know, download them with their little podcast aggregator, but they don't actually listen to every one of them. It's about fifty percent, I guess. Okay, but I, I really enjoy hearing that that neat thing, and like it doesn't have to be the most elite content, but your neat thing is neat, and that excitement comes through, and it excites me, and maybe I'll learn something that I didn't know. And I think everyone should contribute. That would that would be outstanding. Would be outstanding. And of course, the license is you can take it, you can do with what you will. Oh yeah, and, I mean uh, it's, it's total so, yeah. hacker ethos. Don't sell it, but you can you can do whatever you want with it. Like you could take this episode right now and you could change the words that I'm saying to be something else. And like that's Hacker Public Radio. That's awesome. Cool. <laughs> Um, so did it go as you expected, would you say? Yeah, we really expected to have like 10 episodes of Twatech Radio where we would have recorded half of them ourselves. And maybe we were gonna, you know, excited to get like five people to contribute. And so, no, it was infinitely more successful than we expected. And originally back on the Radio Freak America, his... A, um, the, the, if you listen to the last episode of RFA where they talk about HPR, their view was to have a round table discussing politics where anything was open and that sort of thing. Are we not fulfilling the dream by doing what we're doing or you know, should it go in another direction? What do you reckon? I really think, like I'm not a scholar on this, but I really think the duel wanted to have a network of different voices, different opinions. Like whatever he says isn't always the truth and whatever I say isn't always, you know, the end of the story. Yeah, exactly. And same here, obviously. And so having more people contribute, you know, the, the, the smarter we all are as a whole. So, Absolutely. I mean, I don't think we're where we need to be, but Lord helps like we are way farther than I ever thought it would be. So, cool. how's that for I, a politician no, answer? That's, uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> I have no idea what you've set up until now, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing this. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm always embarrassed to listen to myself. But that's okay. All right. So the next question was uh, talking about who coded the site, who helped out, who should get more credit. I was learning PHP, and I wrote a lot of it very poorly. And uh, trying to think of all the people who who helped out. Everyone's got all these weird names. Um, there was a young guy who was younger than I was who redid a lot of it for me after I did it and explained to me why I was wrong 
on a lot of things, which helped me a lot. And uh, I'm trying to think of his name. I've been trying to think of it all day. There was just people hanging out in IRC would just help and contribute and, and offer to help. And so I don't have a, a definitive list, but it was a lot of folks that helped contribute to, to everything. So are you still there, sir? I think we've lost him. That's okay. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, one of the questions was who paid for all this. So I had a Bluehost account that I was paying a little bit of money for. And so I just added, you know, I bought a domain name and we added to it. It didn't really cost us anything extra except paying for another domain name every year. Eventually, BinRev took over. I actually don't know who's hosting HPR right now. Like, it's kind of cool that it's just kind of going. Um, at Hacker Public Radio, I don't know if a lot of the international listeners know this, but in the United States, there's a thing called National Public Radio. And National Public Radio is a radio network. If it's a nonprofit, it doesn't give a lot of government funding. And it's run, by, essentially paid for by the listeners. And so... I listen to a lot of NPR. It's a lot of talk shows. They have classical music, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, they have a lot of just smart comedy shows. And that's what my vehicle is set on right now. I was just riding around a few minutes ago, getting some fresh air and listening to it. And so stealing the HPR, the Hacker Public Radio, was for the, the hacker community, not just the American nation, but kind of for the worldwide community. And that's awesome. Um, some of my favorite shows... Excuse me. I'm. I don't listen Sorry. to a lot of. Hey, I dropped out again. But go, carry on. I'll that's, listen to this afterwards. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'm just. I'm just rolling through. Um, a lot of the shows that I listened to in the beginning, I've mentioned RFA and BenRev. There was a show called BaseNet that was run by some of my friends, and they. Uh, I'd met them through the, through the internet. Like these weren't people I'd met in real life. I met some of them at DefCon and different cons over the years. Um, BaseNet was awesome. They contributed a lot in the beginning of Twatech Radio. The Pony Boy had a show, Core Radio, I think it was called. Low Tech Mystic had a show, um, a lot of Linux links and the Linux Link Tech show they, that you mentioned are awesome. And Still like going this, to. I know, that's so cool. Those guys are, I don't know how they do that in their lives to find the time to do all that. Um, the, I dropped out of the whole scene like eight years ago and coincidentally I have an eight-year-old child and, surprise, and another one. Surprise. <laughs> so I kind of had to grow up and uh, make money to feed them. They like food, shelter, all these things. I am familiar with the concept. <laughs> but that's, that's okay. Um, frustrating parts of the project is finding people to record episodes. Like you always feel like you're a beggar. I hear you, brother. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, okay. I don't know if I've said this yet today, but like Ken Fallon has done this project infinitely longer than I was ever involved with any of it. And like, this is, this is, we're talking about his show. Like I was involved in the beginning, but like, this is not my project. This is not my show. And he's a hero for making it last this long. Can I just interrupt you to say okay. I am, I am only here on a temporary basis until we get the whole thing automated and I'm out of here. Out of here. I will continue contributing shows, but it's only a temporary thing. How have we not automated this thing yet, Mike? Oh, don't start. Don't start. <laughs> you know those baby things that come along? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I think you had some questions about what's going on now in Jupe's world. Yeah, go on. Tell us. So uh, I finished college 
and I was a hippie computer programmer for a while, and I worked for a bunch of little small clients. And now I've ended up somehow as a high school teacher at a boarding school, and I am the entire computer science department here, which is really awesome. Um, And being a private school, like there's no oversight into what I do, which makes my life happy so that I can kind of just roll with it and go with it. Um, This is my fifth year teaching. Right now I'm teaching a Project Lead the Way class on computer science and engineering. And Project Lead the Way is a nationwide computer science initiative. Yeah. And I went and took this two week long intensive class at a very highly respected engineering school. And like, like this is stuff like it makes the paper when your school starts teaching the stuff. And the programming class I was teaching before, I think was much better than this fancy honors Project Lead the Way class. So by doing this to make my school happy, I've kind of screwed up my whole programming class that I was teaching before. But that's okay. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, like I was teaching at, see at much bread harder college earlier. level. What's that? See that comment about putting food on the table from earlier? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I teach a microcontroller class where we do cool stuff with Arduinos. Right now we are building a whack-a-mole game. They have figured out how to read buttons and how to read a potentiometer and how to light up LEDs and pick random numbers. And now we're trying to throw all that together. And the biggest sketch that they've written so far in the microcontroller class, like school just started, um, I don't know, 20 lines long. And whack-a-moles is much more logic. We're just doing basic things. There's no like objects and crazy things. It's just, we're just reading pens and pushing buttons. Um, we're having a lot of fun with that. There's been no burning incidences with the soldering irons in class, which is cool. But whatever, that's part of learning. I teach a junior high class to a couple sessions. Um, Junior high would be what year? How old would it be? Uh, I don't know how old junior high. 13, 12, 13, 14. Okay. And uh, to get them ready for high school. And so we're learning to use computers, not just to play games, but how to create things. And things that kids are lacking is like just basic troubleshooting skills. Like they can use a computer all day and look all smart, but like they don't actually know how to solve a problem. And so we've we've literally gone into the basics, like how email works and like, how we do this and how we, what if this doesn't work or how to take a computer part and put it back together. And like, these are kids, you tell them, make me a word document and like, they're done. They've got it. They've laid it all out. Cause that's kind of the digital intelligence they have, but they don't have problem. Like if there's a problem, how do you actually solve it? And I think that's very unique. And like, it's hard to find curriculum for junior high kids, how to solve problems on technology it's not just here's how you make a word document or here's how you do this. Um, every Thursday is a code day in that class, and we've been doing Scratch, which is a lot of fun. We did Lightbot the other day, and just trying to get them thinking that mindset. And I also make all of my classes read and take notes by hand because I'm a jerk, I guess. But I, as, as much as I love technology and I love computers and all these things, and it's how I make my living. If you don't know how to take notes and like organize your thoughts, a computer's not really going to help you. It's, it's just a just a kind of a fill in, and so I. Well, that's I made, been supported I, by that uh, research from the o, uh, OCD, which well, showed that uh, more than twenty minutes on the computer a day, and you're uh, you actually the kids are not benefiting from it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I taught a reading class this summer, and one of the kids wanted to type up his paper, and. 
I let him. It was, I mean, it's four kids in the class. I kind of ran a little social experiment. And I don't know if I could do this at public school without being fired. But uh, it's private school. It's kind of neat. Um, I let him type his papers. And I let the others handwrite it. And so that as their drafts, like I, they'd go through a draft, they'd turn it in, I'd fix it. I'd send it back to them for them to fix it. Every draft they wrote, it got progressively better and better and better. Meanwhile, the kid who was typing it, he'd write a draft, I'd tell him what to fix, and he would just edit that same document. And so at the end of the ah. week of writing this paper, I mean, we didn't like spend all day on this. We were reading books and exploring and doing cool things. Um, read everyone's drafts. And they were all like, they all agreed that his sucked. Like his was just bad compared to theirs. And we tried to figure out why his was so bad compared to everyone else's. And they were looking at the drafts and they were like, because he's not rewriting the thing. He's not thinking. He's just, oh, I have to change this word. I'm going to change it. I have to change this word. I'm going to change this one word. And kind of the whole class kind of came to the realization. I mean, seventh graders, it's, you know, 13-year-old boys. They came to the realization that they got better the more times they did something. And like, that, that was awesome that I could teach them. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So not necessarily to say that you can't do that, because I quite often will write four paragraphs of text and then just take a few sentences and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it and re-listen to it but uh, he was just trying to be quick and get done um, I know what you mean yeah. <laughs> and, and that's that's part of life too yeah and if you have to write it out you are forced to rethink the second time so it's going through the second time yeah cool. so I'm sitting at my desk right now I've got my Linux computer on it I have several Linux computers and Raspberry Pis in the classroom some servers I've got just components laid out from kids building stuff with Arduinos, I've got to clean up. Um, what do you uh, What do you run on as a distro? I, I have a, to ask. I'm a straight up Debian user. So for the students, I'm letting them use Xubuntu on the desktop computers in my classroom. Okay, cool. You, I was thinking of uh, you should um, perhaps get them to record shows for HBR. <laughs> so I've thought of that, and one of the lessons in my junior high class this year is going to be to record a um, a podcast. And if we can record something that's kind of cool, I will totally contribute it. I just have to make sure we take the school's name out and their name out. And you can put it on Hobby Public Radio if you want, yeah? Hobby Public Radio might be better for the parents. <laughs> yeah, that'd probably be true. I don't know. It's, it's cool. Well, if you do it early cool enough, technology I'm, stuff. We have a makerspace, and we've been building crazy things in that. I'm trying to involve more kids in just creating. If you actually just take a mic and have them, uh, go around and have them explain... Give us a tour of your uh, of your classroom and what they're doing. That would be cool. That would be cool. And then we could all send in postcards from different parts of the world. What do you reckon? That'd be neat. Give them a send them to you. You can scan them. No, it's something <laughs> different. Getting them physically. Come on. And like technology wise, I just went on a road trip this summer. As a teacher, I get these breaks now, and we spent forty days on a road trip across the country my wife and children and I, and I didn't even bring a computer with me. I don't own a cell phone anymore. Like I, I exist for work and then the rest of the time is mine to read and to experiment and do things. Cool. What you reading? Anything cool? Right now I'm reading Walter Isaacson's book. Um, heck, what's the name of it? It's not the Steve Jobs one, it's the inventor's one, but the history of technology. Ah, so you're still keeping your keeping your tools in even when you're offline. But I make the kids read in my classes. Like we read books outside of class, just like you'll do in college. And uh, the, I've, I don't know, 50 high school students that are all going to read Free as in Freedom 
by Richard Stallman by the end of the year. Awesome. <laughs> and I told them all not to buy it from Amazon. I told them they needed to buy it straight from the uh, Free Software Society or Foundation. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. I, I love that. So if anyone from there is listening, I deserve a t-shirt for that. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> um, we started with a simple book about kind of interaction with people. Because I think a lot of technology kids want to live on that machine and they don't want to interact with each other, work together. All my high school classes, we do, like when we do programming, it's paired programming. So my microcontroller oh, yeah. class, my programming class, we work together as teams. And like, that's hard for high school kids to do and like to work together effectively. But I think that's an important skill that I need to be teaching them. Yeah, actually, that's hard full stop doing that with somebody else. And I just fought a big battle this year. They want us to use the computer lab for all my classes. And I don't want to use the school's computers for my programming classes. I had to last year. Because um, I want them to learn to use their computer for work and their computer. Like, I want it to be seamless, whether they're sitting on the couch in my classroom or sitting at the table or sitting in their room, that they've got their work environment with them. And that's like, I have to, you know, walk around and make sure they're not on Facebook because we're not filtering what they're doing on their computer or playing stupid games. But I don't really have yep. that trouble yet. And I think that's a good lesson because when they get to college, no one's looking for that. You know, if some kid wants to just waste their tuition money so they could play on Instagram all day. The professor's not going to stop them. Yeah, fair enough. They don't care. And so I'm trying to, to instill that lesson now. And I think we're doing a lot better in all of my classes this year, not using the school's computer lab because like I have a bunch of couches I got at secondhand stores and like I turn the lights on Tim and I have all these lamps and like we sit around and we argue and we, we write stuff on the, on the, I want uh, to be in your board. class troops. Sounds cool. <laughs> We're doing Scrum Agile development. For, oh my god! <laughs> like, like uh, our first major assignment in the Project Lead the Way class was a uh, scratch game, and four of the smartest kids in the school got together and made a crappy scratch game because they didn't take it that seriously. So they got a crappy grade based on it, and I think this is the lowest grade any of them have ever gotten in high school. I mean, it was like a C. I mean, it's not like the end of the it, world. It came from you, didn't it? <laughs> and it came from me, and like. <laughs> Um, that was kind of a big wake up. And so we had to turn in our first list of tasks for our first uh, scrum for Friday. And like those kids, they had a list. They were, they were ready. Their user stories were very good. They were, they were ready to roll and like do a good job with it. And like they have been emailing me incessantly. We're working on Android apps using App Inventor right now. And they just keep emailing me. Try this. Why does this work? Try this. And asking me questions about it, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I don't have a cell phone, so it doesn't bother me all the time. I can sit at my computer and, and you know, answer all their questions and then go away. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Excellent. How is App Inventor? What's that? How do you find it, App Inventor? Well, it's part of the curriculum that we have to use in that Project Lead the Way class, but uh, it's cool. And, like, they're not learning to, to, I don't know, they're learning how loops work, and they're not having to worry about semicolons and and curly braces and worry about I mean, all this formatting that like when I learned to program that was what my life drove around was the logic and then all this you had to get everything just right that attention to detail and like with App Inventor like if the block doesn't fit it doesn't work and so yeah, they're yeah. really learning a lot more about the logic in the beginning than just the formatting of things which I don't know if that's good or bad but it's, it's neat 
I am really annoyed with you that you have not already sent in several, a whole fracking series of <laughs> what you're doing over there. <laughs> All right, so I'm a prick and I haven't done that. I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, one of us had to say it, I suppose. <laughs> but now that I know you exist, <laughs> we, we, we fixed that now. That sounds awesome. Any other cool stuff you're doing? Well, I found a stroboscope the other day while cleaning out the little storage room in my closet. Or my what classroom. Now? A stroboscope? Do you know what that is? I no clue. Well, the front of it, it said stroboscope, and it's like, it's this old machine from like the 60s, as we have all this old technology that people used to teach electronics with, like, you know, function generators and all this stuff. And uh, it said stroboscope. I said, what the hell is this? And I look at the other side, it's strobe light. It's a scientific strobe light. <laughs> and so I just set that out in my classroom and let the kids kind of play with it. And we have like a little rave before class the other day with, with the scientific stroboscope. Because it's science. Science. <laughs> there uh, you go. Like a couple of my kids aren't responsible enough to have like a laptop. Like one of them's a senior in high school. He's about to go to college and he had some like pornography on it and his mom took away his computer. Right. But like he's in my programming class, like he needs a computer, so he's using a Raspberry Pi in the back to do all his classwork, and like that's just awesome. It is so cool, actually. What has what has come on? It's awesome. <laughs> but it's slow, but he's getting it done. Speaking of nineteen sixties technology, my father-in-law, uh, he's an ex-teacher, and uh, they were clearing out all the old analog stuff from school. So I have a two-channel oscilloscope. Loads of function generators, counters, and uh, a bench um, multimeter in my possession now. So I'm very, very happy. They were cleaning out some stuff this summer to it, added a new classroom, and there was a bunch of old oscilloscopes. And I tested all of them. One of them worked. Oh, and, cool. And I've got it now. The other ones should uh, go on eBay for parts. Well, they're, they're, they're beautiful old machines, and it's probably like a fuse or something. Yeah, exactly. It's missing, and... They're now using that classroom. I don't know where they've all put them to. I hope they didn't dumb away. Yeah, exactly. I know the guys in work, they, uh, they'll they take the oldest of the scopes because they think they're more accurate for what they do, that they're heavier and can take oh. more stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you dropped one of these things on your toe, you would definitely... Yeah, for sure. So anyway, that's, that's what we're doing. The cool project in my classes this year, the project lead the way, I think the Android apps are the coolest thing that they're going to do. Then we're going to get the Python and PHP. And it's just kind of an overview of computer science. It's not like we're really going to make much. Like most of the Pythons, I even write in Python code. It's just editing someone else's Python code. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, I think that kind of takes away some of the creativity of it. So yeah, on the other hand, I mean, when you when you do go out to work, you one of the functions you have to do is take somebody else's code and improve it. You know, it is a thing. That is true. Um, in my programming class, we're learning command line PHP this semester. Next semester, we're going to learn processing. Last year, I just did a whole year worth of processing for my programming class, and it was it was awesome. Uh, what do you mean by processing? It, there's a language called processing. They have their whole little environment. Some guys at MIT started it, and it's it's essentially you're just writing C with all these graphical libraries. And so hello world and processing it doesn't say hello world. It's just draw a circle on the screen, make it move around. Cool. <coughs> that would be another show, but far be it for me to put you under pressure. And then uh, the microcontroller class, we obviously want to build robots that fight each other. Because 
because so I think that's going to be a big highlight and uh, the PHP command line PHP class the major project of the year is going to, or the semester is going to be we're going to build a radio station broadcasts in the classroom that uh, all running on Linux and command line PHP and you know have a catalog of shows have a catalog of commercials and every day I'm going to come in and say this is what we need to do to to add to our radio station and the class is, as a whole is going to have to continue broadcasting the radio station while they come up with the solution and I'm going to have Excellent. all these silly perimeters like you can only play one song in a row and then you have to have you know a minute of talking and so or 30 seconds of talking and station identification like all this crap and we're just going to pile it on so they're going to be in like an intense they're going to come to class and be in this work mode where we have to keep this going while we fix this and I hope we don't break the radio station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's going to be really cool. God, this, you, your class sounds like a Sunday Sunday evening movie thing, you know, where they, where, where they, out of the box thinking teacher comes in and affects all these kids' lives. I don't, I don't uh, know how lucky these guys, uh, I hope these guys realize how lucky they are. I think one day they will. I have one of them right now that is, uh, from last year, who works in our dining hall at the school, and he—it's a. Oh, little, he didn't do very well, did he? No, 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 no. He worked there through high school. It's a little boarding school, and he just needed extra money. Yeah. And so he worked in the dining hall. He's going to college now, but he works at night in the dining hall. So I see him all the time, and he was one of my star students. He's working on computer science. He's taking all the first year classes, and to use some profanity, he's like, "Yeah, college is bullshit. Like, I I can do all this stuff already, and like that's awesome." So he's learning all these things on his own, much less, you know, the basic college stuff. He's so far ahead of the kids who've gone to fancy school for computer science. Yeah, excellent, 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 excellent. And what better way to finish their, their um, projects than to submit a show here for HPR? <laughs> a whole series, in fact. Oh, you, well, maybe I, I just start my own show. I didn't to do that. You know that. Awesome, 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 awesome stuff. Well, uh, I hope you mentioned as many people as possible because, as I say, I don't even know who to contact uh, from way back when. Um, when I just took it over, all, all I really was in contact with was uh, Enigma. And uh, I got basically, here are the keys, good luck. Yeah, uh, that's how we do things. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and it's what I've been doing for the for the last while, as Dave Morris and John Colt and everybody else will uh, attest to. Well, I don't know if I've said this enough, but you're you're doing an awesome job with it, and the community appreciates it, whether they tell you that or not. Yeah, but it's it's actually I'm not I'm not really I really don't feel that I'm doing anything. It's uh, it is um, the community, and I know that sounds cheesy and all, but really all I'm doing now is posting the shows I've got. Um, just think of it this way: those people Loads of other have, people to do all the stuff. So it's, it's, they would it's not be awesome. recording those shows and learning that knowledge and getting that glamour and profa- pro, uh, you know, if fame. You had, and if you had not started Spotlight no, no. Radio if it wasn't ten for years you ago, saying, "Hey, dude, record me an episode," and you putting it up there and you encouraging them, they wouldn't be doing any of that work. Yeah, but hopefully, we can get more people, uh, people who listen to the shows, to start to uh, start also. Sending in shows, but also goading other people to come on and uh, to send in shows, because then we like we have a list of really cool stuff that we can do. Um, uh, that I would like to be doing uh, rather than 
um, you know, begging people for shows is actually the last the last thing on my list that I, that I want to be doing. So, did we miss anything that we should have been talking about? It's sure. cool to have a chat, actually. Oh, I'm sure that we have. I don't think I've ever talked to you this long. I actually have only ever talked to you, I think, once. I don't think we've... Have we ever had a conversation? I don't think so. I don't know. On email, we have. You see, this is weird because I've... Your voice I've been sounds listening so familiar. To you, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've been listening to so many of your shows that, yeah, I know stuff. By the way, your, um, your geocaching, do you get geocaching still? Oh, some... Um, it's kind of gotten overrun with the popularity. Yeah, and exactly. It, and it's not as interesting as it used to be. Like, it's it's become a game of let's see how many we can find as compared to let's see how awesome of a cache I could make this one. Yeah. You know that one you did in the canoe? Did anyone ever find that? Okay. So, two of those we hid that day with the canoe. One of those has been found once by a guy who has, like, thousands of geocaches found and he wrote like an essay about how awesome of a time he had finding this geocache and how it was like one of the greatest ones he'd ever found. He went to this spot. He had to borrow a kayak. He fell over. He almost drowned. There were alligators. Like (laughs) it was awesome. Um, he also found the one that climbed up the the tree. I've checked on both of them with the like last couple years. They're both, well, the tree one, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's still there. I can't get up there to get there. The tree's fallen over all the way. The one in the water is still there and dry. And then some guy who was fishing just randomly saw the one in the tree. I bet his kids were climbing on it. They found it. And he posted on there that he had wanted to start geocaching, but, you know, had never really tried and hadn't bought a GPS yet. So uh, there's that. Like, we, we drove 40 days this summer across the country. Like, we went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan all the way down to the Gulf Coast of Louisiana. Yeah. We didn't geocache at all. We rode bikes and explored, camped cool. out and cool. shot snakes and cool stuff. Yeah, as I've said before, I'll say it again. My plan is to like one day get a go with the kids and just go visit all the podcasting people around the state. That would be awesome. See, we made our plan that we would just kind of explore. Like my grandpa was from Upper Michigan. And like I went there as a little kid, but like he died when I was like four. So like we had never gone back. And so, like, we just kind of went to look at his old town, and we had written the – I knew his address. And so I wrote a letter to the people that live in his house. was like, can I stand in your backyard and, like, just look at my grandpa's view over the water? And oh, they were nice. they were very welcoming. And, like, they knew people that used to know him. So, like, they took us around and, like, introduced us to all these people who, like, knew me from being a child, which was cool. And, like, they awesome. suggested to do stuff. And, like, our whole trip was just kind of suggestions – People are like, oh, you should go look at this. It's real pretty. And we're like, well, that's only, you know, 400 miles away. Let's, let's do it. And like, we were, I don't like driving on the interstates. We like just kind of ambled along back roads. And uh, we had, were driving through this town on the way to a cave that my son had been reading about in a book. And he was like, well, you know, we're going to Kentucky, you know, Mammoth Caves in Kentucky. So let's go there. So we're driving there. And we're driving through this little dinky town, and there's a town built on top of a cave in Horse Cave, Kentucky. So we stopped there to, like, look at it. And they, like, they were like, oh, how old are your kids? And we're like, oh, they're, you know, seven and eight. And they're like, well, they're supposed to be ten to go, like, legit caving, but, you know, they, they seem up to it. <laughs> 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 Thank you. And so, like, 
like, do you have any boots? And I'm like, no, you know, I just brought sandals on this road trip. And they're like, oh, we've got some boots you can wear. And like, you know, we got all caved up with like helmets and flashlights and spent like three hours crawling through mud in a cave and I'm like trying to fit through all these little tunnels and like had this awesome experience. And like, we weren't planning on doing that at all that day. And then the guide's like, oh, have you ever seen a moon bow? And we're like, what are you talking about? He's like, there's a, a waterfall. The full moon hits this certain waterfall in the Cumberland Gap of Kentucky. It makes a, a rainbow, but it's white because it's the moon. Oh. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. So we're like, you know, a couple days later, we're there. And like, there's no full moon in sight. <laughs> like, oh. We didn't plan very well. But like, then we're like, oh, let's go to this place where all three states meet. Like, we just kind of. Yeah, of course. We just ambled along the country for 40 days. Also, all of which would have made valid shows just by the way. Well, see, I don't have anything to record on. Like, I, I brought the Kindle, which is the old school Kindle, like this plane that has books. That was the only technology I brought, my GPS. I call shenanigans on that one. This is from somebody who posted a show from someone who had recorded on uh, with the left ear of uh, headphones. <laughs> So I have a tape recorder. I will bring that with me on my next thank adventure. You. Thank you. Thank you. If somebody can uh, record a show while swimming down a river in France, I think you surely can record a show <laughs> while, while traveling. To See, this is why people don't record shows. It's because they're full of excuses like myself. There you go. There you go. I'm not buying it from you, though. <laughs> you got me into this mess. Thank you very much. But here's the thing, actually. You know, my experience with this HPR thing is that People have been universally nice. Yes. And there hasn't been any negativity at all in this entire time that I've been involved with this. How, how is this possible when you turn on the news? Where are all the bad people? Where are all the nasty people? Especially when you, when you think of like hackers and the bad, nasty people. That, has, has that been your experience as well? Or are we, are we just lucky? I don't know. I think it's kind of a small town in that we all kind of live in this community and we all want to help each other out. Cool. Is that a... Yeah. Good, 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 we we never had any trouble either with anything, now that you mention it. Like, I don't know. It's just been, it's been an overall positive experience. It's neat to go to cons and like you have this relationship established with people you've never met. Yes, exactly. And the fact that this is the first time that we've actually spoken to each other and have not realized that this is the first time we've spoken to each other. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, that is cool. Okay, so I'm going to get off my lazy butt yeah, and yeah. do that. Why do we not have a Wikipedia page after 10 years? That is, <laughs> that is very strange to me. Well, I think part of the, uh, the Wikipedia rules are you're not allowed to make a Wikipedia page about yourself. Um, exactly. And I think that everyone that knows about HPR is involved in HPR. So that would be that against the awesome. rules, right? Yeah, that's actually on the, on, the, on the subscription page, things you need to know. And the last one is, once you submit a show, you can no longer edit a wiki page. So, pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, I, think we've, I think we've covered everything that's on the list. Did you ever get that, um, do you remember getting an email from me, say, about uh, 10 years ago, saying I would do a show about a satellite dish pointing thing? <laughs> no, but I have a copy of it that you sent to me the other day, and I'm going to search my Gmail because I never delete anything. And I'm going to find it and respond. Thank you very much. <laughs> this, folks, procrastination, I think this is one of the things that I find uh, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Don't, I don't, we have, 
we have the saying it, it isn't a show unless it goes up on the unless it's on the server it's not a show and 10 years ago i wrote to drukes go hey i've got this great idea for a show now i've got kids and stuff so i can't take on whatever but i can definitely do a whole series of shows about satellite dishes and pointing and dvb and all the rest and have i done any of them no so anyway this well, excuse. i have totally promised to make a lot more shows than i've made I think every time we talk, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll do this, and then I never do anything. And yeah. I'm also really bad about, this is part one, and like part two never gets. <laughs> yeah, I've just started a series on, oh, God, here we go again. And I'm talking about my own shows as well, if you go back to my, my first ones. Now I just record them and just throw them up. I don't care. That's the easiest way. <laughs> Lord help us. Although sometimes I start them and, like, it goes wrong. It's the show is completely jinx. You you record it fourteen times, and the battery goes. Oh, Kevin. There's a Kevin. Okay, so I recorded a show once for uh, Infinomicon, and we were drinking during the thing, and we had gone outside. Say, it isn't so. And we came back in, and we forgot to hit record, and we spent like forty minutes recording, and then we discovered oh. that we had not hit record at all. And, uh... Uh, yeah, no, that's I have uh, I've done that, and uh, thankfully I I uh, have like a Sansa clip for getting back up interviews, but I've I've really had to go back to my Sansa clip several times. So that's how, that's how that works. I wish more people would record shows. I wish I would contribute more. I will try my darndest to do more of that when I get some big D cell batteries, so I can get my tape player going or tape recorder. So basically, there. Nobody is required to submit shows, but you're encouraged to submit shows. That's all we're saying, is it? Well, I mean, you should be some of the people who contribute. Like, you should be some of that 1%. Like, let's make it 2%. Like, if 2% of the people that listen to this oh, thing submitted so stuff, nice. like, the life, the world would change. It would. It would make uh, life so much easier, yep. Troops, thanks very much. It's absolutely great to hear from you again. And it's good to hear that your uh, family is uh, doing good. And I'm very interested to go back and actually hear the rest of this interview but unfortunately i can't do that because <laughs> i only listen to the shows once they're posted so well i've got to go to a football game and help officiate so I've, I've appreciated this time and i appreciate all your work that you've put into it and all the people who've contributed to the show and made it what it is it's infinitely better than anything we had ever thought we would have and if you can get in touch with some of the other guys, I'd really love to have them on as well, especially coming up to episode 2000 and 2048. Well, I talked to, to Doss Man, and he has like a lock picking thing he's doing today. Oh, excellent. So, uh, yeah, get in touch. Also, can you email me uh, the, the show or upload it to the FTP server or something like that? that would well, I, I certainly hope that my, my little laptop here will handle this 58 minute long recording. And oh, I, I hope so, because I don't have a recording of this. <laughs> awesome. This might be the, the episode, just you and I here. Cool. All right. Well, you talking to yourself mostly, so excellent. Anyway, <laughs> folks, thank you very much. Thank you, Droops. Uh, thanks all the guys who uh, set up. Uh, let's go back to Radio Freak America, Infonomicon, BinRev, Today with a Techie, and everybody who's been on HPR. And tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of... Hacker, this is where you say public. Oh, I'm sorry, public. Radio, <laughs> join us now and share the software. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. 
We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hekka Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.